0: WTAR, Traditional Astrology Radio. I'm Chris Brennan, and today is July 6, 2011, here in Denver, Colorado. My guests today are two of the leading authorities in the world on the study of traditional astrology, uh, Demetra George and Benjamin Dykes. Benjamin is an expert in medieval astrology, and Demetra specializes in the Hellenistic tradition. So today we're going to be talking about a conference that the three of us are taking part in in September, in cooperation with the American Federation of Astrologers, titled, uh, Traditional Astrology in the 21st Century, in honor of James Holden. So, with that introduction out of the way, uh, Ben and Demetra, welcome to the show. Hi,
1: thanks. Thank you, Chris.
0: Okay, so let's start off with just talking a little bit about uh, the genesis of this conference that we're taking part in in September. Um, It sort of began, or at least the three of us, Uh, sort of began talking about the potential of having a conference uh, or some sort of get-together last August when we met up in Oregon for a week-long work session where we were uh, working on the definitions of Antiochus. Uh, But that was actually something that you organized, Demetra, so perhaps you could talk a little bit about that.
2: Well, Chris, you know, uh, ever since I was uh, teaching Hellenistic astrology at Kepler College, One of my fantasies had been to have a a Friends of Allen summer camp on the Oregon coast. And that was something that periodically Scott Silverman and I would talk about, and Scott would say, oh, you are ready to do your Friends of Allen summer camp? So circumstances um, happened where Scott had been especially interested in some kind of traditional astrology conference happening at some time, and out of that conversation, I was inspired to, um, invite you and Ben and Scott, who couldn't make it, to be able to come to Oregon and spend a week of intensive study and discussion of the text. Uh, so that was in my own mind, um, how all of this began. And we certainly had, um, an incredibly intense and productive and fertile and stimulating, um, time going very deeply into the material from both uh, Latin and Greek, as we were surrounded with all the primary source texts and our lexicons and dictionaries and the beautiful um, view of the ocean in front of us. And then at some point later, uh, within several months, I received a call from Chris Brent Risky of the AFA, and she indicated that they wanted to have a sponsor a conference on traditional astrology in honor of James Holden and we're interested in, in inviting the three of us. So that's how um, all of this came together.
0: Okay. Uh, yeah, and we had talked about some of our goals and motivations last August when we did meet up and we'd hoped that perhaps the three of us could take a greater role in helping to spur or, or uh, help to lead this revival that's going on right now in the astrological community when it comes to the field of traditional astrology Um, and I know uh, you especially Ben were uh, very interested in uh, sort of us finding ways that we could help to teach traditional astrology and help to uh, set up more of a place for people to to get involved in that project Um, could you talk a little bit about some of your ideas about what the future of traditional astrology looks like or what you'd like to see happen now in the community sure well um uh you
1: know as as you know I've been engaged in uh for the last few years in translating primary texts from uh latin primarily uh from traditional astrologers and it seems to me that um uh you know for a while in the traditional revival which started uh roughly in the 80s um uh, some of the revival has been uh, piecemeal or has been guided by individual teachers who uh, uh, specialized in, in certain branches. Um, there have also been certain uh, divisions in the traditional world that are based on uh, nations, for example. In in uh, the UK, it's very common for people to do horary, but doing traditional nativities is not that common. And what I think is happening now uh, enough people are getting interested that we're kind of at a turning point. And my idea has been that in the next few years, mean um, the time is getting ripe now and it, it will be ripe, for there to be a lot more unification of practices and uh, people who speak different languages and people who are interested in different branches, so that a person starting out in astrology or uh, a modern astrologer who's interested in traditional uh, material, can basically have an A to Z experience, not only in the basic concepts and how to delineate and, and the different predictive methods and knowledge about the different eras, but even how to um, adopt for a 21st century person some of the philosophies of life that these traditional people had, um, uh, there were multiple philosophies of life, so that you can, in essence, uh, live your astrology, just as many modern people do uh, nowadays. So the ability to, um, I think we're at, we're at a point with, between the interest in, uh, that's out there and the material, that we can start uh, um, uh, setting up teaching programs
0: to to create that
1: um, experience, and that, or to enable it at
0: least. Okay, so this is about more than just reviving or the revival of traditional techniques and methodologies. This is about a revival of traditional philosophies um, that were associated with astrology as well.
1: Right. And and some of them, of course, are, um, you know, not all traditional people agreed on the same philosophy of life, but they were interested in the very same questions of, uh, fate and choice that we are today, some of their answers were very similar to the ones we have today. But they also had other deep aspects to their teachings about living a good life and so on, and what kind of attitude to take towards life that I think it would be very um, useful and enriching for people to be exposed to that and, and start to adopt some of these ideas, take them seriously.
0: That's definitely one part of the conference that I'm looking forward to is the panel that you're going to be moderating uh, between the three of us where we talk about the major uh, philosophical approaches to astrology that were taken by the different philosophical schools in the ancient world. Uh, And I assume we'll be contrasting some of the major philosophies such as uh, the stoic approach to astrology uh, versus the hermetic approach to astrology or the um even the ptolemaic aristotelian or the Chris- christian uh jewish approaches to astrology um,
1: yeah we'll be we'll be looking at all of those um you know we can't there's only so you know we can only go into it so deeply but we will be con- comparing and contrasting them and talking about their ideas about values and freedom and uh choice and and from there what kind of counseling strategies a, a, you know, a Stoic astrologer might take versus a an Aristotelian-type astrologer.
0: Right. Yeah, one of the questions that's going to arise out of that, because we have, we have our own internal debates. For example, you and I go back and forth sometimes about, I tend to be more of a proponent of Stoicism at this point, whereas I think that you're still weighing the pros and cons of, of approaches such as the Hermetic tradition uh, and, mm-hmm. and some of the magical traditions. But, uh, Dimitri, you've actually written... A book really recently and you've grappled with this question of how to apply uh, traditional astrology in a modern consulting setting and some of the uh, pros and cons of that and some of the complications that go along with that um, is that something that you're interested in exploring uh, perhaps during the conference at some point
2: well yes not only during the conference but um, this is my goal for this year i have almost dozen different uh, teaching appearances between the remainder of 2011 and 2012, and my focus is going to be twofold. One is what I'm calling the Beginner's Tutorial, so for all of the students entering astrology or for all of the um, modern astrologers who have been doing wonderful modern astrology and are aware that a different movement is happening and curious about what are the fundamental concepts and doctrines, then that is, um, I'm going to try to address that beginner's mind audience. And in the same way that I wrote the book Astrology for Yourself, in my um, mind right now is traditional astrology for yourself as a program text for beginners teaching the fundamental doctrines. But it's not simply enough to understand how was it that the uh, ancient people, and by ancient people I mean almost 2,000 years worth of astrological tradition before the last 100 years of the modern. It's not simply enough to learn the techniques, but also the view of how to use the traditional as the foundation for understanding what the birth chart indicates and then being able to adapt those techniques to the view and concerns and belief systems of the modern individual so it is um and to fully um appreciate and no way denigrate the value of modern astrology that has a rich psychological basis and that aims for healing the soul and of finding a way to combine these two so that the techniques are grounded in the traditional but the view arises um, out of the um, particular circumstances of what it means to live in the 21st century
0: right and as part of your um as part of that process of of helping modern astrologers make the transition to uh, traditional astrology or become involved in it you 're going to be presenting a, a beginner 's workshop where you yes uh, introduce some of the basic technical terminology
2: yes, I am and so bef- uh, on Thursday before the official opening on Thursday evening, there I will be doing several hours of a beginner 's tutorial, and this is either for people who have had no exposure whatsoever or uh, people who have had some exposure but aren't quite sure about all the different vocabulary words that we have, is what are the um, concepts, the fundamental concepts of traditional, what is some of the specialized terminology, and if one wants to make the transition from modern to traditional, what are the first steps that this entails. And Everything that um, I say on the beginner's tutorial will be going over in much more depth as the conference unfolds, but uh, I do believe that for the beginner's mind, when you hear the same thing several times, it sinks in. And so I think I was talking to you, Chris, about it. It's almost like putting a coat of um, primer on your walls before you paint them. They'll be trying to lay the foundation so that people um, will can listen to the rest of the conference and not be overwhelmed by the um, terminology that's being said, but already have some essential
0: familiarity. Right. And then as the conference, even the conference itself is structured very much to give a uh, sort of broad overview of traditional astrology as a whole, and the first day we're actually going to be focusing on the four fundamental areas of chart interpretation which are the planets the signs the houses and the aspects um, i think dimitri you're going to be talking about the planets during the first lecture uh, then ben's doing the houses and the signs of the zodiac from a traditional perspective and then i'm going to be focusing on the the aspect uh, the traditional aspect doctrine uh, primarily based on the reconstruction that the three of us developed uh, based on the antiochus uh, material last year um, so there'll be a lot for, I guess, people of all different persuasions, both as beginners or modern astrologers who are making the transition, but also uh, we're hoping, I think, to have some more high-level discussions about uh, advanced concepts and, and issues in traditional astrology as it relates to both the basic concepts as well as um, advanced or more advanced techniques. Um, one of the reasons why I'm excited about this is it's actually giving us Uh, a platform that isn't usually available um, or isn't quite there yet. I think elsewhere, for example, in the UK, they had the the revival of traditional astrology started a bit earlier. They've been doing it for, they had maybe a 10-year jump on on the US. Um, And so some of our conferences don't necessarily cater to traditional astrologers as a group yet. Um, The United Astrology Conference next year, for example, doesn't have a, track set up specifically for traditional astrology they have a history track uh, but it's not necessarily supposed to be a uh, the techniques of traditional or, or historical forms of astrology track so uh, hopefully our conference will be able to fill that gap at least in so much as traditional astrology isn't being as well represented as it could um but well I and guess- i
1: i think I'm sorry to to interrupt. Um, I I just wanted to add, um, in a way, it's a testament to how popular traditional astrology is getting that it's noticeable when a large conference doesn't have a traditional track. I mean, that's one indicator of of, uh, how important this revival is and how we are kind of at a turning point.
0: Yeah, and I think that we will probably look back on this in 10 years as the turning point in which traditional astrology really did start to go mainstream, um, hopefully. Uh, But one of the reasons that that's even possible at this point is uh, the person who we're actually dedicating or or doing this conference in honor of, which is uh, James Holden, who has basically, as far as I can tell, and what I've been learning over the past several years, not several years, but... um, as I learned very recently, Holden has probably been doing work in traditional astrology uh, perhaps longer than anyone that's surviving today. Uh, his work spans back to the 1950s when he did a master's thesis in uh, on William Lilly. Um, but more recently, he started doing uh, a lot of important work with the American Federation of Astrologers in the 1980s in publishing articles and translations on traditional astrology. Um, were you? Uh, but my sense is that most people haven't been aware of James Holden until maybe the past 10 years. Did you have? Did you have any idea of who who James Holden was, Demetra? Was there any idea what kind of work he was doing, for example, in the 1980s or 90s?
2: No, certainly not in the 1980s, and for me, probably not in the 1990s. It wasn't until the end of that decade that I. Um, Started my own studies in the classics and ancient Greek and Latin, and then moved into the translation of the um, a reconstruction of the Hellenistic astrology that I fully connected with who James Holden was. Perhaps the first notion was of the, uh, the publication of his book, *The History of Horoscopic Ast- Astrology*, and that such a wonderful, brilliant book. And then it became apparent that. He had been involved in translating uh, quite a few works from both Greek and Latin and working extremely diligently and from at least my perspective very quietly for a very long time and is now, um, the AFA is now publishing a lot of this work that has been um, waiting for many, many years. So it is... uh, We owe such a huge debt of gratitude to him, and I'm so happy that he will be the special star of this conference, that it is an honor of him and um, of his contribution to our field.
0: Yeah, that's one of the things that surprised me is that Holden in the past few years has started publishing translations at a, a really fast pace. Um, Suddenly, uh, after many years of not having a lot of publications, he had Abu Ali Al-Qayyad in 1986 or sometime in the late 80s, and then a history of horoscopic astrology in 96, he just started suddenly publishing uh, tons of translations of Hellenistic and medieval texts, which he had apparently been circulating privately as translations since the early 1980s. Um, but now all of a sudden, he's published a translation of Vitoreius, of Porphyry, of Serapio. Um, I think he's getting—he's planning on releasing a translation of Firmicus um, okay, before the okay. conference. Yeah. Um, that's sort of what we've heard. And so, um, but Holden, more than anyone, I mean, Holden certainly has what I think most people would agree is probably the best book on the history of astrology uh, okay. that's available. Uh, would both of you agree with that?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's I mean as a reference as a reference book and a guide to what literature is out there and it's a guide to people guide to people history and texts mm-hmm. and it's a reference work really and it's it's basically the first thing I pull off the shelf when I um need to do a little historical background. Yeah, if yeah, okay. if anyone is in Anyone who is interested in traditional astrology and its history and learning the names of people um, should absolutely get his book.
0: Yeah, Holden was a required reading at Kepler uh, during the first year, and that was really when I uh, gained my interest in studying the history of astrology it was through his work. So I actually owe him a special debt of gratitude. Um
1: well, so, and one thing, one thing personally it did for me, um, I was uh, studying under Robert Zoller and taking his really great course. Um, and then when I, But when I found a Holden's book, I suddenly realized what kind of riches were really out there, and it got me even more excited about doing traditional astrology. So um, I, I, I think of my own excitement when I use that book.
0: And what's interesting also is Holden. Holden has largely been doing this outside of what we typically think of as the mainstream of traditional astrology. I mean, we had the Lily movement in the UK in the 80s that happened when all of a sudden, you know, everyone, uh, Olivia Barclay and Jeffrey Cornelius, and everyone suddenly rediscovers Lily, and that becomes a big thing. But apparently, Holden, three decades earlier in the 1950s, wrote a, a master's thesis on Lily. So and had already begun work on a translation of Firmicus at that point. Um, Similarly, Project Hindsight, you know, really gets going in the mid-90s, and all of a sudden this huge group of, of astrologers are rediscovering the Hellenistic and the medieval tradition through the translations of Schmidt and Hand and Zoller. But in 1996, Holden publishes his History of Horoscopic Astrology, and he has excerpts from all of those authors so Holden's already familiar with all of this and he's done full chronologies he's redated charts from Pingree he's um, translated excerpts from Valens and, and and pretty much everyone so it's in- interesting how much Holden has worked sort of on the sidelines and it's just recently that his the important role that he's played in the traditional movement um, or at least the amount of work that he has done in that area is starting to, to become known
2: Right, I think that it was always known within the um AFA American Federation of Astrologers community, but that outside of that um the membership of that organization, um there wasn't so much awareness of his work until recently. And now um the uh, publishing arm of the AFA is uh, fully making that available uh as one of the most valuable contributions in my opinion, that we have is reconnecting with um, our tradition of 2,000 years of astrological learning.
0: And, um, yeah, and one thing that I wanted to single Holden out for in particular that's definitely important to all three of us is that he was the first person uh, in the very first issue of the American Federation of Astrologers' Journal of Research, who um, he wrote a paper on house, ancient house division and basically pointed out that the Hellenistic astrologers were originally using whole sign houses and that that, that was, in fact, the earliest form of house division. Um, and that's a huge discovery, which really now is starting to take off as as large groups of people adopt whole sign houses and now if you go somewhere and uh, lately i've been giving talks and when i ask people to raise their hands if they know what whole sign houses are you'll get at least half or maybe three quarters of the room who knows that but that wasn't the case even a few years ago um yet holden was aware of that and was publishing papers on it as early as the 1980s um so it's quite amazing okay uh so One of the things that I wanted to talk about a little bit is the structure of some of the presentations. Um, What we're trying to do with this conference is basically to give an overview of the tradition as a whole. Uh, So the first day will be devoted primarily to uh, basic technical concepts, like I mentioned earlier, and the second day of the conference will be devoted primarily to more advanced uh, techniques and concepts, especially timing techniques. Um, But we're also going to be moderating a few panels where we talk about... Sort of advanced uh, historical and philosophical issues. I'm going to be moderating moderating a panel on the history of astrology, in which we give short 10 minute presentations on each of the major astrological traditions, uh, including the Mesopotamian, Hellenistic, medieval, and Renaissance traditions. And then, Dimitri, you're going to be talking about or moderating a panel on texts and translation. Uh, which focuses on understanding and interpreting ancient writings. Could you talk a little bit about that? Uh,
2: yes, um, I think for uh, those of us who are involved in the translation project process, I remember as um, a student uh, translating a, a play or a philosophical piece, and we would get an English translation to check our translation from Greek or Latin. But then we'd want to get a couple of different translations of the same text, and it became stunning about how different each one of those translations was. And I remember my mouth dropping open of, how did this person get these words from this text? (laughs) And so (laughs) we begin to see, uh How really any text in translation um, can't be any other than the um, perception and point of view and skill of the translator, and how important one's interpretation of what something means and the choices that one makes is words, and then the special problems that exist for many of the manuscripts that are available. Were copied over by scribes that are already 800 or more years later, at least with the Hellenistic text, than the original compositions. So errors that happen in transcription, in um, transmission, in that and text being incomplete with um, translators sometimes having to fill in missing places, sometimes providing interpretations that aren't really what the text says because one already has the belief that this is what it should say so uh Ben can also certainly also speak to this issue um but i think that what's um it can be very uh illuminating and edifying to the reader of the text to understand um some of these uh, special issues that come up and then another um, situation that we'll talk about is when I remember when I first got the hindsight translations of uh, Vettius Valens and Paulus Alexandrinos, and I opened them up, I absolutely could not understand a word that was being said, even though it was all in English, my own language. It was I don't know what these uh, paragraphs are saying at all. But after I had um, been exposed to the teachings, Um, especially from Alan White, who was my first teacher, and he was an affiliate of Robert Schnitz, an associate. Um, And I had heard the, understood the concepts. I then went back and looked at the text, and it was totally clear what it was that they were saying. So the whole idea of many of these texts being self-secret, that at a certain point when the concepts are understood, reading the text becomes very rich, and one can see that the meaning was always there, but now one has the eyes to be able to recognize that. So we're hoping that through um, elucidating some of these problems, some of the process, that this will give our participants the ability to be able to look at the primary source text directly and to um, understand the richness that exists in the astrological tradition.
0: Right, and giving them the tools or...
2: Giving them the ut- tools to be able to do that. Um, in the end, you need to, like, read the text yourself to understand what it is that they're saying. And the more people in our community that do that, um, both in terms of reading the translations as well as being learning the languages and translating them as, themselves, the um richer all of our learning experience will be, but we also hope to inspire uh, people to um uh, consider uh learning the um ancient languages and participating in what I think is like the most exciting movement that's happening in the astrological field of this century,
0: and some of those uh Translation issues have become really important for us recently because we've been agonizing over uh, the translation of some ancient uh, texts related to the Aspect Doctrine. Um, One of the examples that you and I I have been going over recently is the issue about the definition of maltreatment or affliction and sort of the grammatical tense uh, in the text and whether or not it indicates that a planet has to apply to a conjunction with the malefic in order to be afflicted or if the malefic has to apply to the planet in order to be afflicted. Mm -hmm. And that was something that we actually really needed to study all of the existing variations of the text in order to know if if there were any clues in it grammatically that could tell us the answer.
2: Right, exactly. Um, And I knew that after I'd read both Robert Schmidt's uh, translations of Antiochus and Porphyry, as well as James Polden's translation of Porphyry, particularly with the Aspic material, that I wasn't going to be able to understand it well enough to be able to teach it myself until I sat down and actually translated those passages. So I've been working on that this past year and working closely with uh, Chris in the process of what the texts themselves say as opposed to what we think that they should say based on our preconceived ideas or other people's interpretations. Uh, So it's been an exciting year. And then when we got together with Ben, Ben was adding in the perception of how the um, medieval astrologers had understood these concepts through the Latin translations that he's been doing. And the confluence of all three of our minds being focused on this um, uh, yielded um, uh, uh, tremendous insight.
0: Right And um, Can you speak to Or do you have any Statements about Translation issues Or the or process as, as somebody who's Actively uh, Publishing a lot of Translations Ben uh, I'm
2: not quite sure I understand the question
0: so I was asking Ben If he had any Comments to make About translation issues
1: um, w- One thing that uh, To me Became really clear is um uh, last summer um last summer when we got together um I was also working on lists of definitions coincidentally uh from the Arabs uh from people like Abu Mashar and Al-Kabisi and I spent a lot of time comparing different latin translations of their work and then also looking at the meanings of arab uh arabic uh verb roots uh it, because and and what I found, and I think we found this um in the Greek material too, is that there is sort of encoded in the language a really rich and vivid sense of what the planets are uh doing with each other. And especially when you start drawing diagrams of these um of, of what's described in the definitions, you suddenly see uh, things that you never thought were there and something that might just seem like a straightforward definition turns out to be um, part of uh, telling a story about what a planet is doing, for example. Or um, it turned out that several definitions that just seemed straightforward and simple actually relied on the concept of um, aversion, uh, which we had not seen. There was a whole uh, class of definitions um, that talked about that if you if you drew a picture it turned out the pl- certain planets either had to be within or couldn't be within a certain 120 degree uh area of the chart and so we saw all sorts of connections um that um i'm really glad that we did um i think it it's it's going to make make our work more um interesting and rich and have give people a more vivid idea of uh, what the planetary activity is.
0: Yeah, studying the, the language and studying the meaning of the words, um, or, or I guess that's one of the things that most people realize about traditional astrology very quickly, is that the terminology used does uh, give you information about what the technique actually implies about uh, the person's life or within the context of delineation. Mm-hmm. Um, but that example that you mentioned is a good one, because that was one of your unique contributions, I think, to our work session last summer, where we were translating the original definition of, or going over the original definition of the void-of-course moon, which uh, it turns out the original definition, as we learned, was that the moon does not hit any planets, either by conjunction or by aspect, within the next 30 degrees, regardless of sign boundaries. Uh, And you pointed out that this basically sets up a set of equal houses from the moon, where all of the planets have to be in these the houses quote unquote houses that would be in aversion to the moon uh, in equal houses for that to, to be in effect. Um, so that was a nice discovery on your part then. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. Um,
2: I also remember for, uh, from that moment that one of the meanings of the void, of course, was uh, traveling without an attendant or traveling alone. And it was linked with another definition, um, omoresis, which means um, traveling in the company or companionship of another person. So we began to see a whole situation of certain aspectual relations where planets are more connected with one another and certain situations where planets are operating um in isolation or are less connected. And that was one of the beautiful things that you brought out then um, during uh, one of those days.
0: Um, and it looks like we, there's a question that's coming in from the chat room, which is Kieran uh, Price is asking uh, about viable certification processes for traditional astrology and if anything is being worked on in this area. Um, he's taken Zoller's foundational course and has a diploma from New Library, but he's wondering if, I guess, if we know of or if we're working on any uh, courses or certification in that area. I know, Ben, you plan on doing something in the long term, but not anytime soon, correct?
1: Right, not for a couple of years. Uh, I, won't, I won't do a course for a couple of years, um, in part because, um, for myself, I feel like uh with every translation that i do i learn i learn something new and um and so i don't want to be too you know my own vision of my work is that i i feel it would be premature for me to to have the kind of course that i want until i finish this uh certain cycle of translations that i'm working on now um but event but eventually i will but i i don't think we we three have not talked about that at least not not in the short term at any rate
2: Right. I mean, we have uh, talked about education, but not in terms of having a certification program. Um, I've been teaching Hellenistic astrology um, since about 2002 for six years at Kepler College and then um, privately. And I'm working now with individual tutoring for uh, on a one-to-one basis with students for those who both want to make the transition and to go deeper into each of the concepts. But I uh, certainly at this point don't have um, a certification program in mind, uh, partially for some of the same reasons as Ben and um, for others as well. But, Chris, you as well are offering instruction in traditional astrology um, so that all three of us are doing education, but not necessarily as a certification, integrated certification. Um, Chris, you might want to tell a little bit about your course.
0: Yeah, I mean, I teach my course on Hellenistic Astrology, and I am in the process of eventually turning that into something where I will offer certification. Um, But at this point, it's more for those who are interested in signing up and learning about the um, tradition and learning about Hellenistic Astrology and the techniques involved than it is about becoming certified as a professional Hellenistic astrologer, what have you. Um, but I do see that as something that the three of us will probably work on at some point in the future, is um, setting some sort of guidelines for what it, it looks like for someone to be a practitioner, or at least be proficient in not just the techniques, but also perhaps the philosophy or the history of, of traditional astrology. Um, so this conference actually is kind of almost a starting point for that because we're setting kind of a blueprint here for what the tradition is as a whole and what that looks like and what some of the divisions are, but also what the continuity is between from basically the 1st century all the way through the 17th century. Um,
2: I mean, I'm totally agree in favor of having study guides. Um Oh, go on, Dan.
1: No, no, no. Go on. Go on. I was just agreeing.
2: Okay. Um, I'm totally in favor of setting out uh, a program of study, as well as uh, different goals for each level. For a beginner's level, this is what one would should be familiarize oneself with. These would be the components of an intermediate level, and so on. Uh, but I've always um, been ambivalent around the whole notion of certification and certification exams because I've seen that the um those exams are uh, can't help but be influenced by the preferences of the person creating the exam and um then become uh, very narrowly focused to one person's idea of what the not only of what's important and unimportant but what the correct answer is and uh i guess an example is when we were at kepler college teaching um traditional astrology and some of the students started to use whole sign houses And they took a certification, national certification exam from some organization who totally disqualified their um, exam because they used whole fine houses and not some quadrant system. And at that point it was uh, quite shocking that something that had been so fundamental to the tradition was now being said to be irrelevant by the people creating the exam. So because of uh many situations like that, I don't know as if I would ever be a proponent of creating certification exams. But that's not to say that I wouldn't advocate laying out programs of study.
0: And you definitely do. I mean your courses is- your course in Hellenistic astrology, but also your material that you've written on the history of astrology mm-hmm. is some of the most thorough that I've seen. So even though you, you may not be in favor of certification necessarily, you do offer right, right. Prom- the, promote. The
2: end result is to turn out someone who is um, educated and competent in the understanding of the material and realizes that this is... Uh, something that is in the process of being reconstructed and understood, so that there are many gray areas where we just don't know the definitive ways in which certain definitions or techniques or concepts were used and understood, but it's familiar with the different variants that exist there. So I'm much more interested in developing that level of competency and understanding than of uh, creating a test that gives someone a piece of paper to hang on their wall and um think that they've mastered something that is an ongoing field of learning. I'm sorry, I'm on a little bit of a rant here, so I'll pull back. <laughs> let the other of you rant.
0: <laughs> I actually got my um associate's degree, like the actual diploma from Kepler in the Mail uh yesterday, so I, I was I was actually kind of a milestone regardless of yeah. whether or not that means Yeah. Any, any it things. is.
2: It is true. There's a sense of completion that that brings, right. and there's value from that. Certainly from that point of
0: view. Right. Okay. Uh, so, let's see. So we've covered two of the panels. I guess we've also covered Ben's panel, which is going to be on the philosophy of uh, traditional astrology. One of the other ones that we haven't covered, though, is the future. Um, I think we're doing a panel. Uh, Yeah, the the very final panel on the last day will be between the three of us, and it will be on what the future of traditional astrology looks like and what we can anticipate. Um, So I guess we've talked a little bit about that already, but where do the two of you see that going? Um, I think you you made some statements earlier, Ben, but I think you've been the most um, adamant uh, amongst the three of us about the Usefulness of medieval or of traditional astrology in general, both in the techniques and its philosophy, and in its eventual um, sort of uh, taking more prominent role in modern practice. So, where do you see things going, Ben? Well,
1: what I'd like to see is, and I think this will happen, is um, you know, within the next five years or so, uh, um, between you know, the swell of interest the texts and resources that are available and the kinds of um, teaching that is available, education programs uh, of whatever kind they are. I'd like to see um, uh, traditional astrology not just become mainstream and not just become, Well, let me say that differently, to become mainstream so that it's not just um, maybe a side hobby that someone picks up because they have heard about it from a friend, or or something like that but that it it's not just a choice you can make but for some people it could be a choice to make from the very beginning that the some of the techniques and terminology and attitudes will become familiar enough to enough people that the beginning student who's still learning you know the order of signs and how to and and what the little symbols mean might naturally want and be able to dive into traditional astrology right away. And like I said, have an A to Z experience, both in the outlook and the techniques.
0: And what about you, Demetra? Where do you see things going?
2: Well, you know, Chris, I was a modern mythic astrologer for 25 years before I discovered the traditional astrology um, and had built a, a career and reputation in a number of books. And when I first fully engaged with the Hellenistic at an intensive that Robert Schmidt offered at his home in Cumberland, Maryland, it was as if my modern understanding fell like a house of cards, and that I realized that I had to reconstruct everything from the ground up again. And it took me a while, but I was so happy to have been involved in that process. And I often thought afterwards, it would have been such a tragedy for me personally to have dedicated my entire life to astrology and never to have learned the rich tradition to which I was um heir to. And it is my hope that um the uh many of the other people in our community can likewise be able to connect with the treasured trove of what we have inherited. Uh it doesn't mean that for me that we'll all become traditional astrologers but to be able to use the insights and understanding to deepen and enrich in our practice so i would like in the future to see the tradition be an integral part of the education of every new astrologer
1: hmm. could i add something to that demetra yeah? Yeah. Um, i what i wanted to to bring out is um that even 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 if a person you well know, let me put it differently um uh if you if you're a thoroughly modern person who's totally new to traditional astrology um you you might have the kind of experience um that you described when you were first uh encountering it and a lot of people might have the misunderstanding that they suddenly have to give up everything that they used to do, um, and that's not what the me- that 's not the message that we're trying to get across. I think we're trying to get across the idea of um, enrichment and strength yeah. um, and and one of the ways that that happens I know for you two for example is um, uh, and lots of other traditionalists I know is that you you, too, use the three outer planets, and, Demetra, you still use the asteroids, but you've adapted the use of them to traditional approaches.
2: Right. That's absolutely yeah. that's absolutely correct. Um, I've not abandoned the modern, and sometimes I say, like, I'm not only using the outers and the four major asteroids, but 12,000 of the minor asteroids as well but that I treat them differently than I do the seven visible planets. And I have different sets of guidelines for how I work with them, both separately and then through integration.
0: And I think that um, right. in, in that we're definitely representing more of a middle ground of the different mm-hmm. extremes. I mean, because there's definitely different two two extremes that are set up right now in the astrological community. There's one extreme that's represented by people like Glenn Perry, who say that there's no value whatsoever in any form of astrology prior to the 20th century. And there's another extreme, which might be represented by, um, someone like Robert Zoller or Christopher Warnock, who says that we, we really need to go back to the traditional techniques and we need to get rid of, um, but some of these things that have sort of uh, gathered around the astrological tradition since that time, we need to wipe that stuff away and start back at the beginning. Um, I think we're the three of us, at least as far as I understand, are advertising or advocating more of a middle-of-the-ground approach um, between those two extremes, where you, you you use the tradition to build a, a fundamental basis. But you realize that even the tradition itself, while it is coherent, it has, there's disagreements within it, um, so there's room for interpretation or for... uh,
2: Right. And modern astrology has made huge contributions to the field that shouldn't be discarded or ignored or uh, made less of.
0: Right. So, and... But one of the things that we'll be doing in this conference primarily is trying to present the case for traditional astrology. And one of the things that we're going to be doing, one of the ways that it's going to come through very strongly in the second day is by presenting some of the more advanced techniques. Um, One of the... uh, So, for example, Demetra is going to be presenting a talk on uh, a traditional approach to the topic of relationships. Uh, Ben is going to be presenting a talk on annual perfections and solar returns and I'm going to be giving two talks on horary astrology and zodiac releasing. Um, So through that, hopefully we'll be able to demonstrate some of the more advanced techniques. Uh, But both of your talks will definitely present topics that are still analyzed in modern astrology, but from a different perspective. Um, For example, I think a lot of people use solar returns, but they don't either don't work with or know about perfections or know how to integrate them. And that's something you're really going to be uh, focusing on in your talk, correct Ben?
1: Yeah, um uh just just to name a couple of differences. Um, um for example, in 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 modern astrology it's common to read the solar return chart by itself. Um but this was never the way that the traditional astrologers uh did it they they more often treated the solar revolution or solar return as a set of transits to the nativity um, and but what they also did was they combined it with this method called profections, it's an annual method, in which there's a planet that, called the Lord of the Year and what this does, and this is something that traditional astrology is really good at is it prioritizes certain planets over others so that in a given year Certain signs in the chart and certain planets are going to be more important in their aspects and their ongoing transits than others. So this way of combining uh transits, perfections, and solar evolutions um, helps you organize and prioritize your thoughts. Um and this is it's it's a fascinating uh method, and, and I think people will really um enjoy it
0: and what uh, what techniques are you going to be, be applying in the analysis of relationships, Demetra?
2: Well, I want to um, talk about timing with um, uh, the minor years of the planets and the ascensional times of the signs. That was a technique that all of the um, traditional astrologers worked with extensively, and it is very simple and very powerful to be able to point out um, a set of... Target dates at which um any kind of um, indications in the natal chart are likely to take place, but in this particular case, what are going to be, what are forecasted as the periods of intensified relationship activity um, it is very simple to teach and explain and extremely powerful and insightful
0: excellent, so great, so both of you will be basically presenting. Uh, ancient timing techniques that are just recently being fully recovered in their their application and usage. Um, And I'll be doing the same with zodiac releasing, which times peak periods in a person's life with respect to their career or with respect to other topics such as relationships or health or what have you. Um, Okay. Are there any other... uh, Areas that you guys wanted to mention about the conference that people should know about, I think we there's a deadline coming up because the conference is actually pretty cheap. It's only $150 if you sign up before August 1st, which is about half the price of most conferences. Um, after August 1st, it jumps to $200. Uh, the price, I think, does include two light lunches during the course of the conference. Uh, it'll be taking place in Tempe, Arizona in September. We actually have a great electional chart. I encourage all traditional astrologers to take a look at the electional chart for the first day of the conference, right. which I believe is the um what's the twenty third? And actually we're gonna to have to talk about
2: Actually so September twenty second is the first 22nd. day and James Holden is going to be giving the opening keynote that evening. Um He'll be turning 84 years old, and there's also a birthday party scheduled for him that evening.
0: Excellent. Um,
1: if I could add one thing, um, mm-hmm. this is uh, for for t- t- traditional students and practitioners or modern people who are curious, um, I really urge you to take advantage of this. This is a rare opportunity because, first of all, um, we're going to be spending several days intensely going over this material and you'll learn a lot, but secondly we three will have coordinated this program together so that instead of maybe just uh, attending a a talk at your local group or listening in on a couple of uh, things at a conference we're going to really be providing um, an integrated uh, rich experience um and it's and it's rare that this kind of thing comes along and it's affordable
0: <laughs> right which is usually a big thing for conferences uh because most of them are so expensive um but i i'm really excited to definitely have the opportunity and then we definitely have to thank the AFA for having this sort of foresight to 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 realize that traditional astrology is something that is becoming a a dominant or force or movement in the astrological community and to give us the opportunity to uh, work together to put this, to put this on. Um, So that's a good point that it will be a fully integrated conference. And the three of us are, will be preparing for it this summer and looking forward to put on a a great integrated presentation. Okay. Um, And let's see. So, just to close out, what um if people want to find out more about your work, Demetra, uh where can they find out more information about you?
2: Um on my website, um dot com. Um I have a new website that's gone up uh as of uh this past month that Tony Howard has put together. And uh, a few weeks ago, I gave Tony uh, a huge box of um, all the recordings that I've done over the last 25 years of my career from various conferences and workshops and seminars. And Tony is slowly transforming all of them into downloadable MP3 files. And so the community will have the opportunity to um, avail itself of that work um, through the site and I'm excellent. Uh, very appreciative to him for the incredible beauty of the vision that um, he's created.
0: Yeah, and your site does look uh, really good, so I encourage people to check it out at, I guess it's demetra-george.com.
2: Well, actually, I got the I got the undash version, so now it can just be demetra-george.com.
0: Okay, excellent. Yeah.
2: All right.
0: And, Ben, your website is? it's bendykes.com
1: with no dash <laughs> and on it um i have um you can buy any of my translations i also have downloadable audio lectures of of um uh, uh, astrology lectures that i've given um there's also some uh study aids um and vocabulary lists and it's also where you can uh either download individually or buy sets of my logos and light lectures, which are um, traditional philosophy for astrologers and occultists. Um and I'm, I'm trying hard to finish the Plato lectures now.
0: Okay, well excellent. Well it looks like we're out of time. Uh, so if you to find out more about the conference, go to astrologers.com slash convention and we hope to see you in September. So thanks for coming on the show, Ben and Demidra. Okay,
2: thanks. Thanks Chris. Chris.
0: Thanks. Bye.